Hello, and welcome to Enter the Fold, a Shadow and Bone podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host who has read the books. And I am Mandy Kay, your host who has only read the first book. So, yay. Today, we are discussing episode six, Niwe Sesh, I Have No Heart, which was written by Dagan Frickland and directed uh, by Karen Galviola. I'm glad that the same person directed this one as mm-hmm. episode five, but that's a different writer, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Considering that they were always meant to be a pair, like a call and response. I, well, I guess the first writer called and the second writer responded, right? I yeah, I guess. I it is interesting, yeah. especially since they left off on such a, like, they really just go right into each other. Yeah. Or at least the Crow's story does, I, I guess the... Alina story, not necessarily. Okay, so shall we just jump right in? Sure. Um, just I don't I don't mind saying I watched this episode four days ago at this point. I think it was because our schedules were bad this weekend. So my note for the title card is: I suppose this title card was fine. I have no memory of it. My note for the title card says: Meh. We're on the same page. I I think so. <laughs> Um, we open with Bagra, Alina, and Mal walking through the woods. Well, actually, they're on horses. First, we see them galloping, and then they're walking with their yes. horses. Um, Alina and Bagra talk about killing Kerrigan, and Alina once again floats the idea of creating light creatures, but Bagra scolds her and tells her there is the price of Merzost, and nobody knows what that price is. Like, isn't that the third time now that this has happened? It's the third time it's happened, which is so interesting because, A, the these warriors of light thing that she keeps bringing up, it never comes to anything, right? Right. So why yeah, does she... Yeah, because they just keep telling her no. and It's like this setup that has zero payoff. Yeah. And also, what... Like, they... In the in the books, Alina does pay a price for some Merzost use, she does not in this show, at least not not really. So they keep talking. <laughs> I don't. It just seems so silly to keep bringing it up, and then have it not really be that important. Yeah, like if they were gonna cut it out, then then cut it out. <laughs> you know, don't don't halfway cut it out. Right. And don't yeah, keep setting it, it up. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, my note here, and what I actually think the title of the episode should have been, was Welcome to Bagra Explains It All. <laughs> oh my god, yes, perfect. Because that's perfect. all... I should, I should preface our whole episode here with saying this is my least favorite episode of the whole season. I, I don't mind the crow stuff, that's that's fine. Um, but the stuff with just Bagra info dumping for a whole episode, it's, it's I hate it. I actually like it, but I think it's because of the payoff at the end. Um, Like, this is one of the scenes that has genuinely just made me cry. Like, at the end. One of the episodes, like, at the end. Um, And so I feel like there's an emotional payoff. Sure. But, like, why hasn't she brought up any of this before? Why isn't... It's... I don't know. I mean, I guess she was in a cage, but it just seems... Well, I mean, she wasn't really on board with killing her son until he locked her in a cage and cut off her finger. That seems pretty shitty of her, but I guess she wasn't the best of people. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess for, like, in the books, I get, which I suppose I should try to stop comparing, but, like, the characters 
had to do some stuff to figure all this out. It wasn't just told to them. Oh, and it just seems... That would have been a lot more rewarding. Right? Like, this is just... Like, it's just info dumping for yeah a whole episode, basically. Well, it's because they decided to combine two books into eight episodes. Oh, this this this, has, this one episode has stuff from three books. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Um, and then we cut to King Nikolai arriving somewhere. Yes, and we meet Dominic. And we Which meet Dominic. I was excited. Well, I don't know about excited, but this is where I was like, okay, th- this is straight out of King of Scars. Dominic does not exist outside of King of Scars. So they oh. m- must have the rights to those books now and are using them. Okay. Yeah. They set up the relationship between Nikolai and Dominic to be a very, very close one. Mm-hmm. But there is no development of anything like I do not see Dominic enough to care about him in the yeah, remainder of the season that's very fair in uh I mean I guess it's not spoilery because they kind of talk about it but in the books Dominic is really only like a flashback character he's already dead oh see he does die in the next episode I think last episode yeah. one of the episodes um and it's just like because King of Scars has Nikolai point of view chapters and it's just him sort of thinking about his whole relationship with Dominic from when they were kids to what he had to watch him die on the battlefield. Mm, okay. So um, all, all of my liking of Dominic comes from the books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a great character. I just don't yeah. know anything about him. Yeah. It's, I mean, I know Nikolai loves him. Yeah. It is kind of a shame that they did it like this. Yeah. Nikolai steps up and gives his first big battle-inspiring speech as king. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about Grisha and the non-Grisha, I can never remember that word. Atkazatia. Yes, that word. Um, working together. And I really, really love that David and Jenya immediately step up to kind of say that, well, the Grisha are willing to work with you guys. So let's see if you guys are willing to work with us. And yep. David gives them some fancy bullets and Jenya heals one of them. And it's a lovely moment. It's good. I, I do like it. I. It seems so obvious, but I don't understand why it was never happening before. Like, I get that, obviously, Kerrigan didn't, Kerrigan was evil, so he didn't want this to happen. Right. But why didn't any ruler ever want it to happen? I don't know. It just seems like somebody somewhere in the world should have been a good person. Well, it almost makes you wonder if Kerrigan had been like kind of fanning the flames of Grisha prejudice. Oh, 100%. 100%. But in like an opposite way, right? Because he wanted to create somewhere safe for them, but instead he created somewhere where they could be above everyone. Right. So it didn't work out for him. Or, well, you know, didn't work out for the Grisha, I guess. Right. And then we get into some fever dreams. I guess poison dreams. I call them fever dreams in my notes. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, Kaz's kind of quick and you'll miss it snippet is of his brother drowning him and scolding him about being a terrible, useless person. Mm-hmm. Uh, my note for Inej's dream is she loves... 
loves Kaz. I hate this. <laughs> Look, I love Kaz and Inej. I love them so much. They are my favorite. Um, but they're my favorite because they are two independent people who have their own shit going on, but who do love each other. So where is mm -hmm. Inej's trauma? Where's her family? Where's her... Like, why does everybody else get uh, something from their past or from their family or something? And Inez just gets, I'm Kaz's love interest. Oh, I didn't get, I'm Kaz's love interest from it at all. I got Kaz as my love interest. Like, because this is, I I'm, like, my understanding of how these hallucinations slash dreams work is that it is showing you something that you truly believe in your heart of hearts. Right. That's why Kaz is being told he's worthless. That's why Tolia is worried that something's going to happen to his sister and it's somehow going to be his fault. Mm -hmm. You know, and Jesper has been thinking recently about why he's been hiding that he's a durast. And so it makes sense. And so, like, Inej's deepest secret is that she's in love with Kaz. Uh, well, I don't really think it's a secret, but I guess to her it is. Uh, I guess my thing is, like, her brother's been brought up a bunch. She leaves everyone at the end of the season to go find him. And we don't get any yeah. of that from her here? That's not on her mind at all? I don't think you can control what the poison does to well, you your You just brain. said that you could. That it was what was on your mind. I meant it was what was in your heart. Mm, okay. Kind of those deep feelings. I don't know. I, I, I love the scene. I do, and I, I love Kaz and Inej, as I've said. I just wish we had more Inej, not necessarily related to Kaz. I think that's a fair point. That's what I love about them. I think they could have given us more Inej while also keeping this scene. Sure, but this is just another instance where they didn't. Sure. Okay. That's fair. And I do really love when we see Wyland and the butterfly, and he's... <laughs> Like, they kind of recreate the butterfly meme. You, you know, with the dude looking at the butterfly being like, what's this? No, I am not familiar with this meme. Oh, my gosh. I have to find you this meme. <laughs> oh, just just Google butterfly meme. It... Just Google butterfly meme. Okay. Butterfly. Dude's got his hand up and there's a butterfly. Oh, okay. I'm familiar with that image. I just like it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I just thought it was adorable because he's just so enamored with the butterflies. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the whole, the I think, kind of recreating the butterfly meme lasts for like a split second. And then it's just a fun scene. Um, where, of course, he gets a little bit of exposition to tell us all about how the flower is poisonous and the butterflies eat its nectar. And they don't die. Yep. <laughs> Lots of exposition. It's so much fun. <laughs> I... Tell me how you really feel, Caitlin. Uh, not great. Not great about this whole episode. Like, these butterflies just happen to be here. They're attracted to the thing that they cure. That seems... Well, that's why they cure it, though, because they eat it. I guess. He explained it. It's a whole symbiosis thing. He explained it while people are dying from it. Like, literally at the same... It, or not dying. I don't know if it was going to kill them. But, you know, affecting them. Oh, I think 100% it was going to kill them. Maybe. I feel like maybe they could have slipped that into the previous episode. 
that it wasn't quite so on the nose, but whatever. Mm. And then oh get... yeah, like if he had seen the the butterflies like before they all went in, uh-huh. that would have been nice. Yeah. Instead, they just had four butterflies show up when four people were dying from the poison. <laughs> so useful. And then we get a quick shot of my favorite fever dream. Fever dream words I can word. Jasper and his mom. Um, Jasper and his mom. Oh yeah. Like we don't even get very much here. It's just like the very very beginning, but it's. It's good. I like it, and I, I, don't, I don't mind it here. I do wonder what they're going to do with Jesper in a Six of Crows spinoff if he's already confronted all of his shit. Mm, not, yeah. not necessarily in a bad way. A- and if he's already in a good place with Wyland, like, what are they planning to do with Jesper? I am curious. Well, maybe you'll get brand new Jesper stories. Maybe. Um, and then I think we have more Begra exposition we do this is where we get the story of Moritzova mm-hmm. and his children one of whom is Bagra yep um it's a very disjointed story because it's interspersed with her talking to Mal and asking him about his tracking ability and why he passed three orphanages before he stopped at Karamzin yeah like I don't um, understand how Bagra would have put it together that it's Mal. Like, like she's asking leading questions because she wants him to sort of get there. Right. But how did... she? I can only, like, was there... Did she ever hear him say something about how he heard the sea whip and the stag? Maybe. Like, before this? I don't... Because that would probably be enough for her to put it together. Mm, but you know, I, I, I think I she did talk to him in season one when she tried to have... Somebody kill him when he came to the palace. So maybe, but I don't quite remember. Mm. Yeah, and then we find out Bagger killed her little sister. Yeah. So just a just a good family. Very great family. Loving family. Yeah. And then Kerrigan makes probably the biggest cut he's ever made in his life to completely demolish an entire village in First Army Outpost. Yes, and they mentioned that they're near... The orphanage that Alina and Mal grew up in. Yes. Which again and his Oh, sorry. His little minions are very, very put out by the fact that Kerrigan wants to camp and not immediately go take the orphanage. Do we ever see him actually go take the orphanage? Or do we see anybody actually get to the orphanage or does it just keep getting brought up? No, no, no. The the and I can't remember if it's next episode or episode eight, but yes, we do end up at the orphanage. Okay, great. I, I did not remember at all, so that's wonderful. Um, and if future, if, if I am wrong and future me has to correct me, I apologize. Hmm, we'll get there. <laughs> I do love that um, Begras is continuing the joke from like episode two, I think it was, where just Mal does not have a name. She just calls him boy. Oh, I did not even pick up on that. I mean, she does call Alina girl also. So maybe Vagra's just like fuck names. They're not they're not useful. That's possible. But I just I think it's particularly funny in Mal's case. It's honestly probably to set it up later in the episode when she does use his name. Yeah, maybe. Um then we go back to the fever dreams. Yes. And um I completely missed the first time I watched this that we get a shot of um Tolia's necklace opening. Right. 
because um, which is Tamar is there because Tamar is there, right? So earlier we like he showed the necklace. I guess it was last episode, and he was like, "We have our own ways of finding each other," but they didn't really explain what that meant. And then in this episode, like we actually see it open. I completely missed that. I didn't see the necklace open until Tamar's opened in the last episode. Oh, interesting. Um, and of course here. She's bleeding, and she says Talia did it to her. And again, I do I do like what they're having happen here, because this is where, like, Kaz takes the knives out of Inej's little knife holder thingies and, like, asks if he can touch her, which is, like, a small nod to her past, I suppose. And that's nice. And I like that Inej doesn't quite let him kiss her. Oh, no, no, that's still, that's later. That's later? Oh, shit. That's later. I just kept going, I guess, in my notes. <laughs> you may have just skipped a bunch of stuff in your notes because you didn't care about it. To be fair, I did write down, I don't care about what's going on with Alina. The crows are so much more interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, so first, Wylan has figured out that there's something bad going on, and he uses a bomb to try and breach the panel, and he does create a small hole in it. Good. And then we step back into Jesper's fever dream where he's practicing his shooting, and they talk about why he stopped being a durast. And it's because his dad asked him to stop after his mom died because he was afraid that more people would ask Jesper to help them. And then he would also die, which is really, really sad on like so many levels. Mm-hmm. Like it's sad that he had to consider that. It's sad that he had to give up a part of who he was. It's just <sighs> Jesper, my heart. It is very sad. I, I don't really have anything to add. You, you're correct. Yeah. Um, then we go back to Bagra. They've gotten to the workshop. She has to use her blood to open the door because only a Morisova can open or close it. Right. And Mal asks if Bagra's sure that the Firebird is there because he can't hear anything. Right, yes. Um, and then there's some lovey-dovey stuff between Alina and Mal. I did write down Mal and Alina makeup, maybe. I don't feel like anything has changed, but they yeah. seem happy now. But nothing really changed for them to be not happy earlier. So, yeah, I guess that's right. all good. And then we go back to Inez's fever dream. Gotcha. Um, which is lovely because you're right. He, he pulls her knives out. And then I think... Didn't he take his gloves off before he actually touches her? Did he? I don't remember. Though that would be an um, important detail, so you'd think I would have. Like, it, I, it doesn't make sense to me that he would be willing to kiss her and not touch her with his hands. Well, this isn't really know. him, but yeah. Well, I know, but okay, fair enough. And, and um, you're, you're not wrong, but I, I just, I don't, I do not remember watching him take his gloves off. Okay. And I did not write down anything about it, so I, I don't know. Um, yeah, so then they almost kiss, and Inej is like, wait a minute. This isn't real. Yeah, Kaz would never. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, Dream Kaz, like, pulls her back in, and then they kiss for real, and then she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, this isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> and so she wakes up because she figures out it's not real, and then she hears Wyland shouting through the hole. Um, and thanks to that, Earlier exposition, we now know that butterflies could be the antidote because the poison doesn't kill them. So she has to eat one of these beautiful blue butterflies. Uh. Right? This live butterfly, she just shoves it in her mouth and like 
crunches on it. I mean, I guess if I was dying, I would do it, but I don't, I can't, that would be so gross. I know. The the wings. Yeah. <sighs> Probably still trying to move as you're yep. putting them in your yep. mouth. Yeah. No, no. Can't do no. it. Um, so yeah, everybody's now awake and interestingly enough, both Inej and Kaz lie about having had a dream. Yes. But that's, well, Kaz doesn't like being vulnerable in front of people, which is ridiculous considering they had Jesper there for his like con- con- confrontation with, his name escapes me. Pekka? Yes. Earlier. So like Jesper knows all of Kaz's trauma, but whatever. I guess Tolia's yeah. there. Um, and then Tolia tells them that he can hear or sense a faint heartbeat in the house. Yes. And then we go back to Bagger and Mal, and this is where we get the most important information in the episode. I mean, I think the most important information in this episode is that soccer exists in this world, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> oh, my God. I did not even catch on. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, Mal is the firebird. He did not see this coming. This is why when the poster for this season came out, which has like Mal in front of some wings and stuff, I was like, well, that seems spoilery. Not to you, but to Mm -hmm. other people who read the books. Yeah. um, I I remember texting you about this, like in all caps, and you just said, yep. (laughs) It's like, oh, ever so wordy. Yeah. Caitlin. I don't know what else was I supposed to say. <laughs> yeah, Welcome to know. the end of the books. Yeah. Um, of course, he doesn't want to believe it. Uh, she makes him cut his hand and close the door. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a Moritzova. Only a Moritzova can open or close the door. Um, so what happened was that Moritzova resurrected her little sister, the one that she killed because her father loved her so much. Yep. And um, that she became the third amplifier and... Her bloodline passed it down. Does this make any sense to you? Somewhat. I I think the way they explained it, it does. Because it doesn't really make any sense to me. Okay. Because, like, I thought, okay, so allegedly he brought the stag and the sea whip back to life. Were they dead or did they just not really exist? I don't know. Who knows? Um, but he, mm. he used his own bones as, and assuming mm. he was an amplifier also in the way that uh, Bagra and the Darkling are. I don't know. And so I would have assumed that the stag and the sea whip were these ultimate mystical, magical amplifiers, unlike regular amplifier type animals, because they were mystical creatures. Mm-hmm. He just brought back a girl. What? Why is she... Why why did she get the the firebird power? He didn't he didn't give it to the firebird. I think they tried to explain it in a way that Bagger said that was kind of hand wavy. Mm. Um it didn't bother me that it wasn't super clear. Okay. I don't think it's ever really well explained in the book either. I could be wrong. I I, I don't remember. But like um I think why? Bagger said something about how this happened while he was working on the third amplifier. And so when he resurrected the sister with Merzost and used Maybe the bones the that Merzost? he had planned to use by, with, for the Firebird, like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. The fact that he created an amplifier instead of just letting it happen naturally, that might be it. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. The scene ends with some very, very dramatic words. 
that if Mal does not sacrifice himself on Alina's blade, <laughs> she will die. <laughs> Very dramatic. I, Vegra is so interesting. I don't know. That is such a dramatic way to say it. And Ravka will also die. I mean, I, I paraphrased it. So she said it. It was like three different things that she said. That was like a chain of events. Yeah. But that was the gist of it. Oh, sorry. Do we have the bit with the Darkling here? Yes. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just wondering if my notes were right because sometimes oh. they're wrong. <laughs> the Darkling shows up with Alina and tries to kill her? Um, Not yet. Okay. So here all we get is... um. It's a shot of Alina just looking through all of Moritzova's things. And then we see Kierigan watching her through that really, like, fuzzy lens that they use to show that he's not really there. And then, boom, he projects to her and he's there. Right. Yes. And then we go back to Ova and she returns home. And then we get cool Grisha fight. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Um, my, my note here is she's pretty badass. Yes. Like, this is a better fight than the fight we had last time with Nina. Yeah, absolutely. Because this time it's all of them, including, ultimately, including Zoya and Nina, um, who show up in a little bit. So, um, yeah. It's good. And this is, sometime in this fight, Jesper, like, yells something about something being seriously offside. Yes. I'm I'm pretty sure saying that is a soccer reference. I don't think something being offside (laughs) can exist. Okay. Fair enough. It could be football. American football, I mean. Because they go offsides too. Oh, I know nothing about American football. I mean, I know nothing about soccer, and somehow I know less about American football. Yeah, it's it's just a, a word I've heard. <laughs> but as they either. are English, I would assume soccer. Fair enough. Um, well, the actors are English. Yeah. I guess they're from fantasy. Uh, I forget what country. Never mind, carry on. <laughs> Ravka? Well, Ravka's fantasy Russia. But I'm trying to think Ketterdam is fantasy something, but my, my oh, brain is, is not connecting. Got it. So. Okay. That's fair. Um, we leave the awesome fight to go back to Kerrigan and Alina. And this is where he tells her he's going to destroy Karamzin. And I had a question about this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, is this when his name was revealed in the books? This is when he says... Like she's railed at him about all of those innocent children that he killed. And he goes, I, too, was an innocent child, a little boy named Alexander, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I wonder. I, that is difficult to answer because everything is so different. Okay. That's fair. Um, but I would say the equivalent of this, sure. Yes. It, hmm, okay. Kind of. I guess I'll find out when we read the books. Yeah. Back to the fight. Mm-hmm. Tolia tries to beg for their lives, but... Ova is having none of it. Jesper manages to free himself right before Wyland blows a hole in the wall, in the door or the wall or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Zoya and Nina come in and it doesn't matter because Ova takes them down too. I do love Zoya getting to fight though. I wish that happened more, but that's fine. Um, I feel like my notes are getting shorter and shorter for the rest of this episode because they're just like quick scenes back and forth and back and forth. Oh yeah, I don't have that much left. Back to Bagra. She starts a fire and then joins the projection. Alina and Mal run. Bagra is going to die in the fire. Oh, but we get the no shelter but me line before that, which I thought was interesting because we talked about it in the first episode. I did not pick up on that. Who said it? The Darkling to Alina. You know, I'll 
take away everything that you love until you have sh- no shelter but me. Oh, I did not pick up on that. Oh, interesting. I watched it twice. Did not pick up on that. <laughs> he delivers wow. it extremely well, too. Like, all of my criticisms about this episode in particular, he gives, he, no, Ben Barnes nails it. Oh, he's, I think he's phenomenal in this episode. Like, 100%. And well, we can I, talk about I don't like of any later. of his scenes before this, but this and on, yes, good. Yeah. Okay, so now... That we know Bagger's plan is to die in the fire. Um, we jump to the projection where Bagger has now projected to Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. She is trying to stop him. She wants to kill him. She says things like, know that I loved you, Alexander. Know yeah. that it wasn't enough. She does some sort of magic. It appears that she has failed and she falls. He runs to her and then she does this thing and his hand is cut off. She does the cut, but like really little. That oh, was that what that yeah, was? yeah, yeah. So she okay. It's really so. Was the first part just like a misdirect? Because I got confused here. I believe so. Well, or maybe a bit of both, because she okay. she is physically in the room with all the fire. That's true. And um, and smoke, I presume, which would so, really mess her up. Yeah. So he runs to her and he picks her up and he's holding her and that's when she does the the small cut and cuts off his hand, which in theory should stop him because you need to have both hands to perform your Grisha Lee duties. Well, it's also to break the connection with Alina. Yes, fair enough. So I wrote, like, I'm so used to the book where their connection is all, like, metaphysical and not, there's no physical Mm, thing with their connection. So when Begro stays behind, I was like, why is this happening? She could have easily walked out the door with them. Like, you set the fire and then you leave. What, why is she staying behind? I was so confused. So then when she cut off his hand, I was like, right, the connection in this is like a physical thing in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so confused. Yeah, so Bagger's dead. And yeah, their goodbye scene was really well done, I thought. It was. And Kerrigan is genuinely, genuinely upset at this. And he just, he's crying and he says sorry to her and he's just sobbing. Mm -hmm. And he is very genuinely mourning his mother here. I think it, I'm going to go a little bit therapist on Kerrigan here. (laughs) All right, let's (laughs) hear it. Not qualified at all, but I feel like the reason that he was comfortable being so awful to her like putting her in the cage and then cutting off her finger is because they had been together for hundreds and hundreds of years. And in his mind, she was going to live forever. Oh, yeah. Like it had never even occurred to him that she would die. And so when she did, it just kind of broke him for a minute. I'm sure. Yes. I can't imagine knowing someone that long, like for hundreds of years, having them in your life. Yeah. And then not there. And then we leave and go back to Ova's house. Yes. Um, Kaz stops the fighting when he comes out with an old man. Yeah, and then we get this reveal that it's not just that she has the blade, it's that she is the saint who made the blade. Right? And this is an adaptation choice that I love. Oh, okay. This was so good. If if they're going to go to King of Scars in season three, this was very smart. Mm, Okay, interesting. I'm, I'm curious as to what that means, but okay. More saints, maybe. (laughs) I love that once they finally convince her to give up the blade, because as it turns out, they don't want to steal it. They only want to borrow it. They'll bring it back. Um, She will only give it to Jesper. And it's because 
obviously he's a durast, but he doesn't know how to durast. Yeah. I do also love that they mentioned to her that the the new the new saint needs it, who is also Shu. Mm. And A, because it you know, the whole thing with Alina's race mattering last season, I like that they had it matter again since they yeah. made such a big deal about it and, you know, brought in all that racism because of it. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. And then I like I like that line that Kaz has where she calls him a child and he says, a child who understood your weakness. Because mm-hmm. that was very good, Kaz. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after the way he understood Pekka's weakness. Mm-hmm. Yes. He does have a knack. He does have a knack. Um, yeah, so she gives the blade to Jesper. She chastises him a little bit. Also gives him tips on what he should have been able to do. Yeah. Because he had so much metal on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he agrees that he's got a lot to catch up on and that he wants to. And she says, go, go do that thing. I do also love that they're in this room with like presumably all the stuff that the disciple has stolen over mm-hmm. his life. And that's where he sleeps on a little cot. <laughs> he doesn't even surrounded get, by his precious. He doesn't even get like a nice bed. He's just on this tiny little thing. I'm like, that's oh. your husband. Do you not have a big bed, big comfy bed he could be in? Does he just like the cot? What is going on there? I'm going to go with he just likes the cot. I then there's more room for his shiny. I, I suppose. It it just feels like the weirdest design choice they went with there. Yeah. Um, before everybody leaves, Jesper runs to find Wylan, and this is adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells Wylan that he was right, and he doesn't want to hide anymore, and that Wylan's a big part of that, and then there's just kissing. Yes. It's very it's good. Cute. I like all the kissing scenes. I like Jesper and Wylan. Yeah, for They're, sure. I love them so much. And then and... they have a scene here that... I assume only book readers would appreciate where Zoya is just like, ugh, romance. Ravka is what matters. And <laughs> I really liked that. I, I like that they put that in. Okay. Nice. Uh, my next note is Alina and Mal are back. War strategy. Because <laughs> that's the whole thing with Nikolai and Dominic. And here's what we're going to do. Blah, blah, oh. blah. I skipped over that entirely. I just put Mal tells Selena he's the firebird. Sexy times. Well, okay. So I have some of those notes, but I have more than that. that I know. That's what I just skipped all the other stuff. Apparently, <laughs> I was like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. So I start with Mal tells Selena about the firebird and I end with, oh, hey, sexy time. But <laughs> um, I find it interesting here that. The way that he proves to her that he is the firebird is that he actually touches her and amplifies her. Which is never why hasn't happened that happened? before. Yep. Right. I was like, why hasn't that happened any other time they've touched? And why does it not happen the next time they touch after this? Um, he did very specifically touch the sea whip scale. So Maybe I don't know if it. that had something to do with it. But that's probably what they were going for. But then he gave this whole speech about how this is how I die. I'm not afraid. And it's just like, I'm not crying, you're crying. And it was oh. all very emotional. It was very, very emotional. I cried. Um, I did not. Uh, no, I totally did because he's all like, I wanted more for you. And then he's talking about the white veil and her hair and the vows. And God, I'm going to choke up just talking about it. Because mm-hmm. it's just, it's all very, very emotional, okay? Um, but he's just accepted it, that this is mm-hmm. what he needs to do 
for her to meet her destiny. And he's willing. And then, oh, hey, sexy time. I do get emotional sometime in these last two episodes, but Mal does never, never makes me emotional. They, he started growing on me this season. I know like in episode one, I was intensely, intensely anti this relationship Mm -hmm. because I was just like, they're a limp fish. Like there's nothing there. And as we've gone further through the episode, that's changed for me. But you also like Nikolai, don't you? I do. Mm. I do. Um, And we'll talk more about that in episode eight. Okay. But right now, this scene made me cry. Mm. If you, okay, so there's one scene in the next two episodes that I like sobbed when I saw it. Could you guess what scene it is? Um, not off the top of my head, but I can probably find it when I rewatch them. All right. All right. I'll keep it to myself. It's been a while. I'll keep it to myself. I will say it actually had very little to do with the scene in the show so much as it brought back the emotions from like the equivalent scene in the books where I remember very clearly it being like 3 a.m. and I was zombie in my bed reading the book. So, yeah. I feel like it's going to have to be a crow scene. We shall see. <laughs> okay. I, I will tell, uh, I'll tell you when we get to the scene, if, if okay. you don't guess it. Okay. Uh, we end this episode with Kerrigan. Um, and we find out that now that Bagger's dead, she's even more amplifier-esque, I guess. I don't know. Um, so they fe- they've set aside some of her finger bone for select Grisha, who follow Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. And Kerrigan himself gets her bone dust fused to his wrist from the hand that she cut off, along with a new metal hand that apparently becomes a regular hand. It's After. a durst made prosthetic, so I guess it's yeah. fantasy prosthetic. Yeah, but it looks completely like his normal hand again when he closed it. Yeah, I guess. And of course, they made a point to tell us, you will see the last thing that she saw. And now he knows that Mal is the firebird. I did write down, you know, that that was pretty convenient, but they actually did do a good job setting that up from the previous amplifiers. That is true. So I can forgive them that one because I'm so kind. You can forgive them one thing out of a million. Just just this one thing this episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. What's your MVP? Um, This tea that I'm drinking when you asked me that. No. Um, Hmm. You know, I'm going to go with the saint. Oh, okay. Of course, her name has escaped me because I didn't write it down anywhere. But um, Ova. Ova? Yeah, O-H-V-A, okay. Ova. Ova. Um, just because she's really cool and she kicked all their asses. Indeed. I think this is a tough one, actually, for me. But I think I'm going to go with the butterflies. <laughs> the they're so, just chilling out. <laughs> the oh-so-convenient butterflies. I like that. Okay. They're just chilling out, living their best life, eating their food. And then all of a sudden, they're forced to be eaten, but they save our favorite people's lives. You know what? You're right. We wouldn't even get the good fight if that hadn't happened. So, (laughs) therefore, the butterflies are the most important part. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I think that's really all I have about this episode. I mean, I did. I really enjoyed it. I also really like exposition, but I like the payoff. I I am who I am. That's all I can say. No, I... I, don't know. I um, like exposition sometimes. 
But I really did like the payoff to the exposition because that scene just makes me cry every time. You mean the the scene between Mal and Alina at the end? Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Maybe maybe it just is my ambivalence towards Mal and also that I already knew that he was the firebird, that it mm. that I was just kind of like meh. It just didn't have any impact for you. It just said nothing. From my perspective, it came out of left field. I mean, rewatching. Yeah. Especially having heard all of Bagger's leading questions. Like I can see how they were very clearly trying to set this up. And also but... you got the answer to your question that you asked me back in episode two. When you said, why can you ask me why Mal can hear this frequency? Oh, and I was like, right. no, no, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> yes, yes, that is true. Um, because he is also one. And apparently they all sing the same tune or something. I don't know. It's weird. This whole world is weird. Yes. I like it, but it's weird. And honestly, I can't wait to read the books because, like, oh, so much character development that I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And that I really, really want to see. Like, I was really excited that Zoya was back, but we've hardly seen her. Yeah. I I mean, they cut out a lot of when Zoya is the worst. But Zoya being the worst for so long really makes it so great when she finally becomes the best. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I feel like this is one of our shorter episodes, which is great because I now have to edit it right away. <laughs> but also, I think just... Like, even if you liked this episode, I feel like not much was going on to sink our teeth into. That's true. I mean, this was pretty much just straight recap. Yeah. So, I mean, because Bagger already said all the things. We didn't need to say anything else. But I have a feeling the next two episodes are going to be long. I do have a lot to say about some things. Yeah. Although some of them are just going to be like, oh, I can't say what I want to say. That's great. (laughs) Oh, Sorry. I mean, it's, I think I suggested this format for the podcast. So it's, I've no one to blame but me. It's true. You did. And I I don't know that you're ever going to do it like this again with me, but no, I enjoy it. The next one that I want to do with you, I am going to force you to read the books with me first, if you agree. Uh, Obviously, force you. We live in two different countries. So if you say no, there's not much I can do. Do I get a hint? I mean, I'll tell you off recording. Okay. All right. That's fair. And now all of our listeners are super intrigued. Well, or they're just like, well, fuck these bitches. <laughs> Which is I don't what think... my reaction would be. So right. I can't blame I anyone mean, else. Our listeners are way too awesome for that. Yeah. It's me that's the loser. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't podcast with losers. I was trying to say something funny and self-deprecating, and it just came out that way. And I was like, mm, that didn't land. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so remember, till next week, <laughs> you can tweet at us at enter the fold pod, or you can email us at enter the fold pod at gmail.com. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me on Twitter at inferior Caitlin or Instagram at inferior Kate reads. And I am Mandy Kay, and I am not on Twitter, but you can find me on the Fediverse. I am at Mandy Kay at mastodon.social. And remember, I'm a child who understood your weakness.
There we go. Yeah, whatever that'll do. I think that's the first time you've done a Kaz quote. Uh, well, they cut out all of his good lines. <laughs> <laughs>